Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Welcome back to OsteoCast. Tonight, we are going to talk a little bit about how um, we as practitioners keep our skills up to date, um, but also how we continue our education since we've left school. So initially, when we left school, we had a lot of information. Uh, We learned a lot. We had a great starting point, but it's definitely not the end point. We didn't learn everything we needed to know while we were at school. Um, and we were able to start our practices and start treating clients and start treating clients with success. But as those harder patients came along, there's a lot more, um, in-depth research, but also, um, testing and trying things out and seeing how the tissues move and learning a lot more about how the body really connects. Um, that doesn't really come from anywhere, but practice trial and error, um, and continuing that education. So... I would argue that we learned like pretty much everything that we needed to know in school in terms of the principles, but actually taking those principles and applying them on a regular basis was something that's a whole other story. Yes. I would, that I would say that you've explained that a little bit better then because we did learn what we needed to know to treat osteopathically, but as far as. Yeah, there's other stuff. Lever fulcrum, like different things that we need to treat. Absolutely. Well, there's an experiential factor to it, right? Yeah. So in terms of keeping ourselves up to date, the biggest thing is being active in the clinic and being a clinician, which I mean, the hardest part over COVID with that is that we were shut down for a while. So you were just trying to, I mean, I treated my fiance like a bunch of times and my dog, like I was just working away on stuff, whatever I could get a hold of to try and work on to get that better. But um, yeah, like, so long-term or whatever, what you're talking about is, is what we do to keep up to date, what we do to continue to progress ourselves, right? Exactly. And all of us, I think our goal is to be good clinicians. So that's essentially where we need to start is we need to be in the office. We need to be treating patients. Um, I remember in first year when we were treating, or sorry, when we were in um, osteopathic theory class, we were reading some old um, osteopathic text and literature, and they were just talking about how something changes when you reach 500 treatments and then a thousand treatments and then 10,000 treatments and so on and so forth. Your, your palpation just gets so much better. Um, and your understanding of the body just gets so much better. So those are things that, um, as a clinician, you're just trying to constantly get more people, um, under your hands to treat so that you can get better at those. And that is, yeah. And that is something that, like you said, Mandy, you have, that only comes with practice and actually having clients in your, in your practice and treating people and you you learn very quickly where you need to go and what the main lesion is or what the main dysfunction is. And I know a lot of clients are like, how did you know that was the issue? Or how did you know that was the most tender spot in my body? And it's intuition over time. And I think it is from continuing to educate ourselves and just to keep our hands as busy as we can. I know in school they would tell you that as much as you can, you need to feel different material, different surfaces to really develop that touch and that acuity and that palpation. Yeah, the tactile training is one thing. It just comes with time and focus. And we talk about seeing patients, but also being focused on them instead of just treating. It's being focused on what you're feeling, being focused focused on the actual patient themselves and being in that moment to take care of those patients. Um, 
but as far as that, like, that's the basic thing, like be in the clinic, be aware, be, be paying attention and be focused on what you're doing. Um, but outside of that, I mean, like we always have to be educating ourselves. So that can be as simple as reviewing through the anatomy that we've already learned or studying it in more detailed. If that's going through the same textbooks or different textbooks watching, like this is one thing I'll do is if I'm having trouble with an area that doesn't quite make sense, um, or I can't quite figure it out with the textbook to understand and like the depth perception of it, I'll go on and watch a cadaver lab dissection on YouTube and see, I mean, that, of course that's a, 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 not a living being and it's a dehydrated tissue. So it's different than real life, but at least you can get an idea of the perception of like, Hey, this nerve is only like a centimeter below the skin versus being like six inches below muscle below the skin. So your, your contact and your connection with those different tissues, may that be muscles, nerve, blood vessels, whatever it is, is going to be completely different if you're pushing through five inches of quadricep muscle versus the skin, right? Exactly. And it's important to note that like we're always looking at the structure and how the structure moves and how the structure feels. So being able to perceive those changes as, um, from patient to patient, but also as the tissue is changing underneath our hands is super important for providing yeah. good treatment. So I would argue that there are kind of three components that we have to continue educating ourselves on. One is the theoretical component, which is the anatomy we're talking about, the physiology, keeping up to date with the the new research and stuff that comes out in, in those fields just to have a good understanding. Um, so that's the one thing would be the theoretical component. Another would be the practical component of osteopathy. And then the third would be the application. So the application essentially is going to be the practical and the academic or the theoretical part put together. Um, and then what I'll do in terms of the practical component for myself anyways is, and we were talking about this just briefly before we jumped on, is I'll actually give myself uh, something I'm sucking at currently uh, as a goal for a day or for a week or for a month, however long it takes to fix and work more on that. So for example, I'll say I'm having a difficulty for some reason assessing the cervical spine. You'd be like, okay, the goal this week is cervical spine. Patients will be treated for what they need, but I'm going to make sure to spend an extra minute on the cervical spine with anyone who needs that assessment or a detailed assessment there just to try and get a little bit more uh, acuity or a little bit more focus or a little better palpation. Or you start playing with different ways of doing things opposed to the way you always do it with turning the head this way and having them push back and using muscle energy or this or that and start to see, you know, how else does the cervical spine work? How do those, does those facets work and actually moving the those things through the like the facets through different ranges to make adjustments or make treatment to it so i find that that's uh that's a big thing for me is on a daily basis i give myself a goal or on a weekly basis i give myself a goal and then i use that goal to to help develop whatever i think i'm no good at well i think the biggest takeaway from what you're saying is that you keep yourself accountable right because well you work in a clinic with a couple other practitioners but sarah and i are both working individually so if you're not willing to push the envelope individually for yourself, then it's really easy to fall into that pattern of repeating um, or always doing something the same way because it's worked before. And then that's when you're going to fall into the trap when it doesn't work for one patient. You're not going to have the skills to be able to problem solve on the fly and figure that stuff out. Exactly. And that's just one of the things that I'll do. Like that's one thing that I do on a regular basis and I find it's hugely helpful and it can go from anything from assessment to treatment to different models to playing with how fashion might work to whatever you want to use it for. But I just, I like to use that on a regular basis just to make sure that I'm constantly thinking about the progression of something, right? Yeah, no, that's a really good self-challenge to give. 
Um, and we in school we talked about this a lot. But you know, if you're in, you don't feel comfortable in a specific position, then you should only train in that position, or you know, even change the way you're standing at the table. So if you always go to the left side of the table, you should start going to the right side of the table. Just because as we develop our skills, you want to make sure you develop um, your hands equally and um, how you're coming to the body in an equal fashion as much as you can. And I'm sure we all have our kind of favorite way to do something or something we know works really well for us. But as Colby said, we have to push the envelope and know that we can always get better something and there's always another way to do it. And you will be pushed to do that on your own if you don't try now. Uh, when that client comes in and nothing you work is helping them and they're in acute pain and they look at you with those eyes and they're like, are you going to help me or are you not going to help me? And you're going to learn pretty quickly, you know, what your skill set is. And, you know, maybe you might be kicking yourself in the butt that you didn't start thinking about this a couple weeks sooner. Well, we had a teacher in school that said our body is the best anatomy textbook we have. And it's the same thing you just said. It's like our patients will always be our best teachers as long as you're paying attention. If you don't pay yeah. attention, it doesn't matter. But if you pay attention, your patients will always be the best. And one thing that's happened in my practice anyways, and you guys can speak to this as well, is um, over time from beginning, and it's only been a couple of years. Like I haven't been in practice for 20 years. It's only been a handful of years. But even now, my, my caseload seems to become more and more complicated. And I know there's two components to it. One, that the very simple cases are in and out of the, the clinic and just a handful of treatments. Um, but I noticed that my cases tend to become more complicated, meaning they're more difficult lesion patterns. There's more involved with the patients. There's more layers to the lesion patterns. And I find that's one of the things that show you that your growth is coming because either one, you're thinking about more in-depth problems regularly and you're actually finding them in patients who very well may have had them three years ago, but you couldn't find them because you didn't have the ability to. Or secondly, because the the simple, you know, kinked necks or sore shoulder or, or whatever it is only takes a couple of treatments. So the majority of people you see on a regular basis or for a little bit longer than two or three treatments are much more complicated cases, which I find we talk about the patients being your biggest teacher is well, the more complicated the cases, the more complicated the patients, the more you have to study, be focused, figure out what's going on and deal with it appropriately. Exactly. I agree with you completely, Colby. Um, just in a sense of cases seem more complicated. And I think it is a combination of more complicated cases are coming your way because you're ready to take that on. And two, our palpation is growing. Um, how we're finding, we say lesions, but it just means that dysfunction or the problem in the body, if you will, that's not moving as well as it should. We're it's able to kind of- dysfunction. Somatic dysfunction. There we go. We're able to get there a little bit quicker just from the experience um, and also the health history. You know, we get better at taking the health history, asking the questions that matter, um, assessing. I I know sometimes I have to stop and step back and remind myself that a big part of treatment is assessing. And, you know, you, it's all, you take as long as you need to assess the body, figure out what's going on, because then you are going to provide an effective a treatment versus just going through the motions and trying to figure out what's wrong. You need to you figure out what's wrong before you start going through the motions. You can't treat what you can't find. Amen. Very true. All right, Colby. What do you do? You agree with that, Amanda? Are your caseloads a bit uh, harder, or just different than they used to be a couple of years ago? 
Yeah, I would say that everything really started musculoskeletal for me. Um, I think as for everybody, it does. You're that's what you're seeing in your office, and now you're starting to now I'm starting to see um, more complex cases or people with reoccurring chronic or chronic pain and acute flare-ups of chronic pain that don't seem to go away. Um, or like Colby mentioned, like that patients have been to see everybody else. Um, or been to see a lot of other practitioners um, with success or maybe not lasting success. Um, and then they end up in your office because you're that, that person that they've then been recommended to, um, to try and fix that problem. So, yeah. Well, like the bottom line talking about keeping ourselves up to date is just, you gotta, you gotta stay involved. And we were taught this in school and it's still present now. It's, it's a called a practice for a reason, osteopathic practice. We're not, we don't just have offices we work at. It's a practice because day in, day out, you have to practice your your craft, practice the art because osteopathy, as much as it is uh, science-based and based on the anatomy physiology, it's an art. Like the the way you do things becomes an art form of how you move, how you take care of a body and and just being aware of, of all of those components and being aware of, of applying the anatomy and the physiology and the practical component in a daily basis with focus to your patients is really where the learning comes. And it's hard to be focused all the time. Like it's very exhausting to be focused and on board all day, every day with patients, but that's where, that's where the learning comes from. And you do that over the course of, you know, 50,000 patients. Well, it makes a big difference. You know, it's a good day in clinic when you come home and you're brain dead, not physically dead, but you're just, your mind has had enough for one day. And, you know, you've really, you know, you've really hit the noggin on the head that day regarding getting deep into the the issues at hand and creating change. I was going to add to that, Colby, as well. There's a professionalism that comes with the practice and, um, well, there's like, yeah, to go on that, there's all kinds of other stuff we have to learn about outside of the, the pure osteopathic realm that comes professionalism, but also comes with your accounting and your bookkeeping and your managerial side of things that you have to learn and deal with as a business owner that we often don't think about because being a clinician, we just want to get in there and take care of people. But there's so many other things that you have to stay updated on. And I know we were talking about this earlier. We just had to add HST onto all of our treatments. We just, osteopathy is no longer exempt from that. And that's a big thing to just to get thrown at you. And those are things you have to do as a business owner or as a private clinician is you have to take those things on and deal with them. So you always have to stay up to date with all of those components as well. Not only osteopathy, but business. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes so kind of grow. the harder part too. It is. Well, well it's, it's not your passion, right? right? Yeah, it's not what we like to do, but it has to be done. It's always the hard part to sit down and like punch some numbers on a spreadsheet. Like, no way. Give me a cervical spine that needs some work. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. But that's why you hire a bookkeeper and accountant. And for anyone listening that's either starting or there, if you don't have a bookkeeper and accountant and a good lawyer, get all of them, please. The lawyer will make yeah. sure that you can and get your rather than later. corporation. Yeah. The accountant and bookkeeper mostly to keep all that stuff square. So you just hand them a pile of receipts and documents and statements and they can take care of everything. Do everything you can to focus on being a clinician because we were talking about this before we jumped on the podcast is that there's a threshold in how much you can do before you become brain dead, as Sarah said, and being tired in a day or in a week. And for me, my personal life at home with my family and stuff is just as important as being in the clinic. And if I can't function because I'm so tired from seeing 100 patients in a week, 
then it's not worth 100 patients because next thing you know, none of those patients are receiving the proper care because you're too tired. So you also have to make sure uh, just as a bit of advice as you go through the the process is find where that threshold is where you're comfortable and happy and you can still provide top-notch care without limiting or taking away from anything else. And I think that's a good lesson just in general in life. You know, it's we all want to do everything, but you also need to set your boundaries and know where you can be your best in different areas of your life. And if an area of your life is a bit overwhelming and it's taking away from other important areas and make that change because, you know, this is your life, your practice, you need to do what you have to do to make sure you're at the end of the day, you're happy with how it's going and what you're bringing home and the quality of care you bring to your patients, to your family, to yourself. Yeah. What was this podcast supposed to be about? I know we've just been talking. Is what's how, Yeah, I know. It just turns into that, doesn't it? Um, so more so just how we keep ourselves up to date, but oh, okay, so cool. from a more like professional perspective I guess we all have to create or we all have to sorry um complete uh continuing education credits so every year we are doing like specific courses um or credits to make sure that we're keeping our professional practice and liability insurance up to date as well um so aside from all of the practicing we do on a daily basis or the research or um, studying for a patient we're also required to make sure that we keep our certification up by doing continuing education credits. Well, there's mandatory continuing education and then there's the stuff you're interested in. Right. Yeah. But totally. Yeah. So like, I mean, we have to like, obviously you should be interested in what you're doing, but there's going to be courses and stuff we have to take in order to fulfill the CE requirements or the continuing education unit requirements. And then there are other things outside of that, that you may take to develop yourself in the business world. May that be like a, a bookkeeping or a cash flow or a branding or marketing or whatever, component of business and then there's other components of osteopathy or anatomy and human function that might not be included in those education continuing education units that you want to learn about or like do you want to go sit on a cadaver lab then go sit on a cadaver lab you want to go sit and have a conversation with someone who's a concussion specialist to learn some from it then go do that but that might not be from that might not be giving you continuing education units but keep up to date and and chase those things just like we talked about or i talked about with doing things that you might not be good at or comfortable with in the clinic on a regular basis and making that a goal, but also take that same principle to, you know, go reach out to someone, do a collaboration, have a conversation, see what someone else is up to, pick someone else's brain. Cause anytime you can learn one piece of information or one little different way of doing things, that might be the one thing that helps you like help a patient that you couldn't help before. Well, it's all about just expanding your knowledge, right? Yes, ma'am. Sometimes you need a little bit of help or having a conversation with someone else to make that um, kind of stick or or push you outside of um, your comfort zone, make your think, thinking expand. Yes, and ma'am. A, a big thing to note is put your ego aside, whatever, whatever realm, profession you're in, put your ego aside. You know, as good as you are at your care, as good as your patients say you are, there's always room for improvement and you will just become a better practitioner when you do that thought we should note that yeah don't stop and as dr still said the do in the states stands for dig on (laughs) thanks for listening to osteocast tonight any final parting words guys (laughs) no that's it that was a good one thanks everyone for listening if you have any questions or uh, you want to chat with us about anything then give us a shout on uh, instagram it's at osteocast underscore 
or jump on here and give us some feedback. We are happy to, to work with you guys. And please interact, send us some questions, and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. So thank you guys for listening today, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Talk to you then.